Good evening, everybody. It is Saturday night, 7.30 here on the West Coast, so hope you're all doing well. Merry Christmas. What is this? This is uh, December 15th, 2007, and I'm Wong Hughes. We're going to play Dick Birdo and Ed Corcoran Golden Age of Radio Show first. But first, we always do our prayer. Let's go ahead and do it now. Dear Lord, thank you for the station. Bless Bill and Kim as they guide us. Bless all the listeners and the supporters of the station. In Jesus Christ's name, Amen. What we're going to hear first is Dick Birdall and Ed Corcoran's show covering the year 1947. We'll see if we have time. We might play some monitors interviewing leading up to 8.30 when you'll hear the Al Jolson Fan Club Christmas show. After that, we'll play some Fibber, Gillsleeve, and some uh, Christmas shows and some other specials. All depends what we can do. So with that, here we go. In the garage of Dr. Frank Conrad, on November 2nd, 1920, the first scheduled pre-advertised radio program in the United States went on the air. Station KDKA was broadcasting returns of the presidential race on the evening of Election Day. From a humble beginning in a Pittsburgh garage to the sumptuous studios of the national radio networks in New York, Chicago, and Hollywood, these are the years we refer to as the golden age of radio. Here's the Manhattan merry-go-round that brings you the bright side of life, that whirls you in music to all the big night spots of New York town. To hear the top songs of the week sung so clearly you can understand every word and sing your time. Al Kemp, on the air for Griffin. It's time to Tony Home Permanent presents This is Nora Drake The Golden Age of Radio is brought to you by Burrett Mutual Savings Bank Serving Central Connecticut since 1889 And by Russo Chevrolet in Windsor Locks Where you'll find brand new Chevys at low Washington's birthday prices We'll join host Dick Bertell in a moment. But first... Burrett Mutual Savings Bank asks you this question. Why should you save? Burrett Mutual Savings Bank will also try to answer. The reasons for savings are almost endless. One, it can open the door to your new home. Two, it can give you the means to new furniture, a new car, a boat, a vacation. Three, it can help send your children to college. Four, it can give you that glorious feeling of independence and prosperity. Don't ever feel that you have to have large amounts to save. At Burrett, deposits as small as $1 are welcome. Really welcome. Start now and save for all these reasons and perhaps some of your own. If you can't save a lot, save a little. At Burrett Mutual Savings Bank, where deposits are safe and earn good dividends. Start your account tomorrow. Member FDIC. And now the host of the Golden Age of Radio, Dick Bertel. Good evening. And with me once again is the man who collects those wonderful old-time radio programs, Ed Corcoran. Ed, uh, we're going to do something special tonight, aren't we? 
Yes, Dick, this is something I've uh, wanted to do for some little time, and uh, we finally had an opportunity to do it, and that's to uh, take a particular year and try to highlight some of the programs that were uh, popular at that time. And what's the year that you've chosen? Well, I thought uh, we'd pick something that came out kind of round numbers, uh, so we took 25 and we subtracted it from where we are today, and we got back to 1947, Dick. And we are going to hear some of the uh, shows that were on the air in 1947 in just a moment. But, you know, I want to take this opportunity, Ed, to acknowledge some of our mail that we've been receiving on the program, and it's rather interesting to uh, receive mail from... Uh, long distances and uh, in this case we're uh, going to reach all the way out to uh, Illinois Westchester Illinois Don Koneman listens to our show out there he doesn't listen to it directly however evidently he gets his on tape yeah, delayed broadcast <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so he's able to hear us perhaps uh, a week or a month later but we do have a listener, for example, in North Syracuse, New York, Donald Richardson, who listens to our show. I received a card also this past week from a gentleman in uh, Scranton, Pennsylvania, who tried desperately to um, hear our broadcast with Brett Morrison and was only able to get bits of it because of the interference. And uh, he's hoping that uh, he, too, will be able to hear a copy of it someday. But it's, it's rather interesting to note that... Uh, people from uh, all over are interested in the golden age of radio. Yes, it's a collector's item, Dick. Uh, in many of the catalogs which I receive uh, listing these shows, the golden age is right among them. And there are several other shows like it, but I think we have the best one because we've had the best variety of guests, I would say, over the last two years. Well, let's make sure that we maintain that uh, record. Let's take a look at this year, 1947. Some interesting sidelights happened in that year, Ed. Did you know, for example, that the last streetcars in New York stopped running in 1947? No, I didn't know that. How about <laughs> in the Bronx, too, or just in New York? <laughs> just in Manhattan, <laughs> Manhattan, as a matter of fact. Flying saucers were first uh, talked about and uh, read about in the newspapers in 1947. And to uh, tie it all into radio, Margaret Truman made her uh, radio debut with the Detroit Symphony Orchestra. In 1947, I heard that show as a matter of fact. Burrett Mutual Savings Bank, serving Central Connecticut since 1889. And by Russo Chevrolet in Windsor Locks, where you'll find brand new Chevys at low Washington's birthday prices. The program was engineered by Bob Sherego and Dick French. The Golden Age of Radio was edited and produced by Brian Hartnett. This is Al Terzi. Pepper Young's Family. The story of your friends, the Youngs, is brought to you by Camay, the mild beauty soap for a smoother, softer complexion. Rinse all white and rinse all bright. Broadcasting from New York City, the Lucky Strike Program, starring...
Well, we have a quick five minutes before the Alex Olsen Fan Club show. And I'm talking to my buddy, Jim Taylor, a monitor fan who enjoys that, just like I do. And here's a quick monitor interview. Here we go. Jim Lowe here, and in the hour ahead, Monitor presents a special birthday salute to Groucho Marx, who observed his 68th birthday this week. You'll hear special greetings from his family and from many of his famous friends. Some rare highlights from a career in entertainment that dates way back to 1906 when he was a boy soprano, and some wise and witty comments from our guest of honor himself. <laughs> Groucho was born on the 2nd of October, 1895, in New York City, the son of a Yorkville tailor. His given name, Julius Henry Marx, but we all know him better as just Groucho. Beloved Groucho, then, enemy of the pompous and master of the sharp comic thrust, a veteran entertainer in every medium from vaudeville to video. And here's Groucho to tell us how it all began. I went in show business because I didn't want to go to school. My feist appeared, I sang on a, on a bear keg in Coney Island, for which I got a dollar, for which I bought a dollar's worth of ice cream, and I was sick for two weeks after that. You get an awful lot of ice cream in those days for a dollar. And then, I was a choir singer when I was 14 in the Protestant church on Madison Avenue, New York. I got a dollar every Sunday for singing then, until my voice changed. Well, I'd been in the choir, and I'd been on a beer keg. Then I saw an ad in the New York World, which is now defunct. It said there was a boy wanted, a boy singer for a vaudeville act. The man who had put the ad in the paper, his name was Leroy. And I pushed the button, and he opened the door. So he says, go up on the roof, which was the next floor. And when I got up there, there were 40 gammons, just about my size and age. He eventually came up. He said, I want all the tap dancers on this side, all the singers on this side. And he had all the singers sing. And uh, I sang uh, The Palms. That's a, a religious song that I had sung in the uh, Protestant church. It's, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, lift up your gates and sing. For the highest to the side. I don't remember it anymore. He says, that's great. We'll use that in the act. So... Um, I was engaged, and he says, we're going to open the uh, week after next. No, he says, how much am I going to get? He says, you're going to get $4 a week and your room and board. So the day of our departure, my mother took me to the Pennsylvania station with a shoebox this big full of bananas and hard-boiled eggs, pumpernickel, cheese, butter, 
I didn't know that there were Pullmans on a train, that you could go into a dining car and eat. But uh, it wouldn't have done me any good because there wasn't that much money for even one of us to eat in there, much less three. And after two and a half days, we got to Grand Rapids, and we played an amusement park there. Well, the opening performance, the act... Al Jolson was acknowledged as the world's greatest entertainer, and no one who ever saw him perform would argue the point. He dominated the entertainment world for the first half of the 20th century, and his influence is still felt today. A million baby kisses I'll deliver If you will only sing the Swanee River Rock-a-bye, your rock-a-bye baby with a Dixie melody. I'm John Wehrman, past president of the International Al Jolson Society, an organization that is still very active in keeping the legacy of Al Jolson alive today. Yes, Jolson was a superstar before the word came into being. He starred on Broadway, the movies, records, and, of course, radio. Why, you ask, is Christmas music playing on an Al Jolson program? Wasn't Jolson Jewish? Well, yes, he was. But Al always enjoyed the festive part of the holidays, and he was always eager to please his fans. So he always acknowledged Christmas as a favor to them. Tonight, we're going to hear a very special Kraft Music Hall program that never actually aired. I created it from seven different programs. It features several different guest stars and, of course, Al and Oscar Levant. So now, from the late 40s, the Al Jolson Christmas Show. Christmas dreaming a little early this year. No sign of snow around, and yet I go around hearing jingle bells ringing in my Thank you. 
the white Christmas Just like the one I used to know Where the treetops glisten And children listen To hear sleigh bells in the snow And I'm dreaming of a white Christmas With every Christmas card I write May your days be merry and bright And may all your Christmases be And that was the Al Jolson Fan Club Show. Now, got my friend Dwayne on, and uh, we're going to talk while you enjoy Fipper McGee and Molly. This is for our friend Patricia. Yeah, I played this one earlier, but I'm going to play two of them. First one could be December 23, 1947. Here it to you, Patricia. Hope you enjoy. Uh-oh. What's wrong? CD's not gonna, cassette's not gonna play. Let's try this one here. There we go. The Johnson's Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. <laughs> Makers of Johnson's Wax Products for Home and Industry present Fibber McGee and Molly with Bill Thompson, Gail Gordon, Arthur Q. Bryan, and me, Harlow Wilcox. The script is by Don Quinn and Phil Leslie. Music by the Kingsmen and Billy Mills Orchestra. You know, it's a beautiful sight to sit in a room and see the red and green lights of a Christmas tree reflected softly in the luster of well-polished furniture. It makes the room warmer and richer somehow. Well, now your furniture will have the kind of luster that reflects the holiday lights if you polish it with Johnson's Cream Wax. You just rub on a little cream wax, let it dry a second or two, and then polish lightly. The surface will actually glow. Dust and dirt won't stick to your furniture or light-colored woodwork, for there's not one single drop of oil in Johnson's Cream Wax. Once polished, all that's necessary to keep that wonderful glow is an occasional light dusting. Clean and polish your furniture in one easy operation with Johnson's Cream Wax. Then sit back and look at the warm reflection of those Christmas tree lights in every shining surface. Use Johnson's Cream Wax to bring out the beauty of the home. Look on the bright side, shine up the right side, bring out the beauty of the home. One reason things always look brighter in the morning than they did the night before is that it isn't so dark in the daytime. 
But a little tough luck that Mr. McGee of 79 Wistful Vista had last night was not helped a bit by eight hours sleep. Listen to himself this morning as we join Fibber McGee and Molly. No more breakfast for me, kiddo. I gotta get going. Not even another cup of coffee? No. Why, you haven't had fewer than three cups of coffee for breakfast since the big Taft ran for president. And I guess no NBC chimes. All right, that was December 23, 1947. Let's move up and play another one. Following you, December 28th, no, December 21, 1948. Here we go. Johnson's Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. The makers of Johnson's Wax and Johnson's Self-Polishing Glow Coat present Fibber McGee and Molly with Bill Thompson, Gail Gordon, Arthur Q. Bryan, and me, Harlow Wilcox. The script is by Don Quinn and Phil Leslie. Music by the Kingsmen and Billy Mills Orchestra. <laughs> I guess there's not much doubt that the kind of beauty women want in their kitchens is practical beauty. Maybe that accounts for the popularity of Johnson's self-polishing floor wax glow coat. The beauty in glow coat, of course, is the luster it gives your linoleum, especially now that there's a new glow in glow coat, a glow that makes every inch of your linoleum shine far more brightly than before. Well, there's a practical quality in Johnson's glow coat, too, and that's the protection it gives your linoleum. It certainly would be surprising if you or anyone could go through the holidays without scuffing up the linoleum surface a bit or spilling liquids when you're washing the dishes. Well, Johnson's Glow Coat, bright and pretty as it is to look at, covers your linoleum with a hard, dry finish that protects. It makes it so easy to clean. Ask for Johnson's Glow Coat, the floor wax that now shines with a brighter, warmer glow. Your dealer has the new Glow Coat in the same familiar yellow container with the bright red band. Take some home and see what we mean by practical beauty in the kitchen. No holiday is a complete success with everybody. Cops, for instance, hate Halloween. The Army thinks Navy Day is silly. If you're a turkey, you're entitled to a low opinion of Thanksgiving. And what a mailman thinks of Christmas is absolutely unthinkable. One of them has just relieved his aching back a trifle, however, by leaving a batch of greetings at 79 Wistful Vista, the home of Fibber McGee and Molly. Well, here's the mail, kiddo. Mostly Christmas cards, and... Hey, you know what? No, what? I wish the mailman a Merry Christmas, and he looks at me like I'd poisoned his dog. The National Broadcasting Company. Fred McGee Molly from December 21, 1948. Now here's the Great Girls We Show from December 24th, 1952. Transcribed. The Kraft Foods Company presents Willard Waterman as the Great Gildersleeve.
Just about this time each week, we usually bring you some hints and ideas about using some of those fine craft foods. But we just don't have time to do that tonight because Christmas is in the air. And the craft choristers are waiting with a traditional carol. Great Gildersleeve's town of Summerfield is imbued with all the excitement and anticipation that attends the Yuletide season. There's the hurried search for the last-minute gift, the elaborate preparations for the big family dinner, and people are saying Merry Christmas to people they've never seen before. Some folks like to put up the tree very early and enjoy its fragrance and beauty, but it's traditional with the Great Gildersleeve to decorate his tree on the day before Christmas. Leroy, don't just jump up in the air and toss things on the tree. Chunk, it doesn't have enough tinsel on top. Here, let me hang it up there. Okay. Gildersleeve was presented tonight transcribed. Tonight, play You Bet Your Life on NBC. Now, that was the great Gildersleeve. I'll dedicate that to my buddy Brian Haygood, who just berates me all the time. Out of love and, out of love and affection, that's what he does. Uh, <laughs> I'm down to Brian, folks, you can tell. Uh, this is December 24th, 1952. Well, we're going to play a new Christmas show I heard today uh, from Ted Davenport, a radio member. He sent it to me. Uh, Quiet, please. 
Berlin, 1945 is the show title. This is from the day after Christmas, 1948. So, let's go with Ernest Chapel and Quiet Please. American Broadcasting Company presents Quiet, Please, which is written and directed by Willis Cooper and which features Ernest Chappell. Quiet, Please, for today is called Berlin, 1945. Good afternoon. This is Willis Cooper. The Quiet, Please story we're bringing you today is a Christmas story that many of our listeners have asked us to repeat this year. I know Christmas actually was yesterday. After all, it's still Christmas today, isn't it? This was Christmas Day three years ago, Christmas 1945, in a ruined house in Berlin, in Germany. Five soldiers around a table beginning their Christmas dinner. Staff Sergeant John Plattner was Carly. I am a guy that strictly enjoys Christmas. I'd enjoy it a lot more if I was at 504 North Monroe Street. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, you guys come to see me sometime in Peoria. You'll find out. Hey, hey, listen, I'll tell you what. Next Christmas, let's all go to Peoria and have Christmas dinner at Schultz's house. Yeah, that's a deal. Yeah, we'll go no, skating out at Bradley Park. Hey, I'll bet they're skating at Bradley Park right now. Hey, it's um, 11.55 Berlin time. It's seven hours difference. Uh, that, that makes it 04.55 in the morning in Peoria. So, so they're skating in Peoria at 0455 in the morning. Yes, <laughs> in Peoria, everybody's nuts. Uh, well, come on, come on. Who said white meat? Me, me. One at a time, one at a time. Don't anybody want a drumstick? I want a drumstick. Oh, 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 I well, look at the turkey. Oh, I'd rather look at what's that under your arm, Lieutenant. That little finest bottle of wine between here and Hoboken. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Well, open it, somebody. You've only one. <laughs> Corporal Lester, there are times when you discourage me with your thirst. Now, if you just... The title of today's story is Berlin, 1945. Quiet, please, broadcast of last Christmas, repeated today by request. The displaced person, Ernest Chappell. And the others in the cast were Ed Latimer, Frank Thomas, Melville Ruick, James Monks, James Goss, and Warren Stevens. Music for Quiet, please, is played by Albert Berman. Now, for a word about next week, my good friend and our writer-director, Willis Cooper. Thank you for listening to Quiet, Please. 
Next week, I have a story for you, which I call The Time of the Big Snow. Will you listen? And so, until next week at this same time, I am quietly yours, Ernest Chappell. A listening reminder. Quiet, please. A man is making up his mind about this week's predictions. And that man is Drew Pearson. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company. Okay, that was quiet, please. Now, here is uh, the Magnificent Montague here on Yesterday USA. Now for an hour of comedy, brought to you by RCA Victor, world leader in radio, first in recorded music, first in television, by Chesterfield, the only cigarette that combines mildness with no unpleasant aftertaste, the cigarette that brings you Bing Crosby and Bob Hope, and by the makers of Anison for fast relief from the pains of headaches, neuritis, and neuralgia. In 30 minutes, you'll hear Duffy's Tavern, but now it's radio's newest transcribed comedy show... The Magnificent Montague. The Magnificent Montague, starring Monty Woolley. To an actor like Edwin Montague, the magnificent Montague of the Shakespearean theater, Christmas was just another day backstage. But today, as Uncle Goodhart, hero of an afternoon radio program, Christmas has become a major event, much to his disgust. The Montague apartment is flooded with gifts from his grateful listeners. Lily Bowen, his wife, and Agnes, the maid, have spent the entire morning trying to break a path through the jam-packed living room. Somewhere in the living room, the phone rings. Okay, now, uh, these, were, these two shows were done during Christmas time. I don't know if they have a Christmas theme. I haven't heard them yet. It's called Land of the Lost. It's from one from 1945, the other one from 1947. Here it comes, beating nearer and nearer every second. It's here, the flagship Land of the Lost. Brought to you by Bosco. Bosco Milk Amplifier, the rich chocolate-flavored syrup that makes milk taste better than your favorite soda fountain special. Yes, boys and girls, you'll really go overboard for extra chocolatey Bosco. Any way you take it, I mean hot, I mean cold, I mean in luscious chocolate-flavored dessert, you're sure to get a bang out of Bosco. And now the Bosco Company presents... The Land 
of the lost. And its discoverer, the well-known storyteller, Isabel Manning Houston. down at the bottom of the ocean, where pearly shells lie gleaming on silver sand, and coral palaces seem to quiver in the magical green light of underseas, down there lies the land of the lost. It's the haven for all the treasures that disappear from up on Earth. And it's so beautiful that the first time we saw it, my brother Billy and I thought we must be dreaming. But it was no dream, for we went back again and again with our friend Red Lantern. The wise talking fish. Red Lantern gave us magic seaweed so we could breathe underwater. And every week, we'd meet him at the lake near our house, swim through a tunnel beneath it that led to the ocean, and jump onto a swift sea current that would carry us down, down to the land of the lost. Look how a regular current, Red Lantern. Different. Well, it is different, Isabel. Something very strange and exciting is supposed to happen today in the Sea Kingdom of Romavia. And King Sidor wants me to be present there. Rome, too. Ask for them and be with us next week when you will hear what happens at Christmas time in the land of the lost. There's never been anything like it. So see long until then, tadpoles. Tune in same time, same station, when Bosco again takes you to the land of the lost. The Land of the Lost is an original story by Isabel Manning Hewson. The director is Cyril Armbruster. Vocal arrangements, Peggy Marshall. Lyrics, Barbara Miller. Musical background, John Winters. Your announcer is Michael Fitzmaurice. <laughs> This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company. All right, I think that's the one from 1945. We're gonna play the other one next. For this next one from 1947, December, and then after that we'll have an Amos and Andy. So with that, here's another Land of the Lost. Let's see, let's pull that tape out, fast forward it. Okay, we got it now. Here's Land of the Lost.
land of the lost. And its discoverer, the well-known storyteller, Isabel Manning Hewson. an ocean current, everyone. Time to travel down, down to the bottom of the sea, to that enchanted kingdom, the land of the lost. No wonder all lost things from up on earth come to life there, for it's the loveliest place you ever dreamed of, with its white sand and pearly palaces, all a shimmer with pale green light. My brother Billy and I never tired of visiting the land of the lost. Every week, our faithful friends, the wise, talking fish, Red Lantern, take us down through the tunnel under our lake that led to the ocean. Soon we'd be speeding along on an express current, and before you could say popping periwinkles, we'd reach our destination. Isabel, look over there. Eh? What's that, Billy? Coming this way. Long line of... Why, well, it looks like people. Only there aren't any down here. I guess that's it. The land of the lost. Here on Yesterday USA, huh? Well, we're going to go over to, uh, Amos and Andy now. Do an annual Christmas show. Here we go. It's the Amos and Andy Christmas Show, brought to you by the 10,000 independent Rexall druggists. With Christmas just a few days off, the Rexall Drug Company and the 10,000 independent Rexall druggists bring you the Amos and Andy Christmas Show. Now here they are, transcribed with their Christmas cast, Jeff Alexander's orchestra and chorus, and radio's all-time favorites, Freeman Gosden and Charles Carell. Amos and Andy! Well, this is Sunday. Let's go back to yesterday morning. Andy is out with Amos's little girl, Arbadella, on their annual tour of the store windows. Well, let's look in this window, Uncle Andy. Yeah, they sure got a lot of toys in there, ain't they? I've never seen so many toys. It's just like something you dream about. Yeah. Hey, there's something cute there. There's a paint set. Look what it says there. Junior paint set, $12.95, complete with easel. What's an easel, Uncle Andy? Easel? It's one of them things, uh... Well, all artists has got them. They can't do without them. <laughs> oh, what do they use them for? Well, they wears them on the head. Uh, <laughs> got a little tassel on them that keeps the head warm while they're painting. That's what they do. Oh, Uncle Andy, you know everything, don't you? Well, most everything.
Thank you for joining me tonight, everybody. Lord of the join me Sunday night. May the good Lord Jesus Christ bless you. This is yesterday, USA. First your pretty balloon and taking the moon away. It's time to wind up the masquerade. Just make your mind up The piper must be paid The party's over The candles flicker and dim You danced and dreamed through the night it seemed to be right just being with him. Now you must wake up. All dreams must end. Take off your makeup. The party Thank you. Anyway, I'm Wong Shoes. It is Sunday night. Uh, what is this date? 
December 16th of 2007 and just remind everybody next weekend Christmas weekend uh, we're gonna, I've been working on it we're gonna have over 40 hours of live programming uh, next Friday through Monday here on Yesterday USA uh, Frank and I will kick it off Friday night then Bill and Mike all day Saturday I'll be back with you Saturday Sunday night uh, Monday, all day during the day, from about 1 o'clock Eastern to about 9 o'clock Eastern, I'll be on, and Bill and Mike, and I'll be back. So, working on having some of my friends join me Christmas Eve day. I know Patricia has confirmed other, my other friends. I know Brian will be there. And we'll see who else I can talk into having over here in Yesterday USA. Anyway, let's say a prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for this radio station. Bless Bill and Kim as they guide us through the holidays and all the good things they do for this radio station. Take care of those who might be going through a very difficult and hard time, may personally, financially, or spiritually. Whatever it takes to do, Lord, take care of all our friends out there. In Jesus Christ's name, Amen. What quite a Dorothy song as we get ready for a couple a Jack Benny radio show here on Yesterday USA. Oh, St. Nicholas, you're the one. We jump for joy whenever. Oh, so jolly old St. Nicholas passes by. Spreading spirit with twinkling eyes. Old St. Nicholas overhead. You hang a twig of merry mistletoe. And old St. Nicholas, gay are we. Catch your kisses near the Yuletide tree. How does it feel to be such a Mr. Big King of the party each year? How does it feel to be so full of captivating Christmas cheer? So, old St. Nicholas, here's to you. A toast for bringing goodies to the young. And old St. Nicholas, hip hooray. Christmas, everybody. Well, we're going to get into two Jack Benny Christmas shows. 
Uh, the first one is one of my favorites because it has the famous Christmas tree setting. Uh, that one is from December 24th, 1944. Then we'll move over to Christmas Day, 1949. So with that, here is the Jack Benny Show. Jack Benny program, starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston, Phil Harris, Rochester, Larry Stevens, and yours truly, Don Wilson. <laughs> Tis the night before Christmas, and at Jack Benny's house, there are presents for all, even cheese for the mouse. Jack is up on a chair, then he's down on his knee. But you have to do that when you're trimming a tree. Well, we're all through, Mary. Gee, it was nice of you to come over and help me trim the tree. Well, if I didn't, you'd never get it done. Say, Jack, shall I put the snow around the bottom now? Not yet. I want to see if the lights are working. I'll hold up the bulbs, and when I say ready, you plug it in. Okay. Ready? Ready. Pull it out! Pull it out! Pull it out! <laughs> My goodness. Oh, Jack, why did you make me shot it off? Those lights were so pretty, especially those two blue ones that kept flashing on and off. <laughs> 